Before we get into the show, just a huge thank you to all the support from the last week since the FitCast Network launched at FitCast.network. You guys have gotten to see a lot of the shows so far, but don't forget, this Thursday, FitCast Life Fuel is debuting. Make sure to check that out. I think you are going to absolutely love it. I, actually, I know you're going to love it. Go check it out on Thursday. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play. Make sure it's queued up. Or just get that FitCast Network main feed going so you get every show just when it comes out so you don't have to have all these different feeds in your podcast app or computer, whatever. So along with that, if you want to help support the show, the best way to still do it is to go to FitCast.network and click on that Amazon tab if you buy something through Amazon or you can make a one-time or monthly uh, contribution through PayPal. And you guys know patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the FitCast. There you can support the show on a per-episode basis, and you get episodes of the FitCast one to two weeks early. Not bad. So thank you so much. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome back to the FitCast. My name is Kevin Larrabee. It's spring. I'm recording a bunch of episodes in a batch. I'm just going to be up front because of all the craziness that is going on. You can probably hear the birds chirping outside and I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave them in because it's Boston and it's 70 and I got <laughs> and I got Dave. I, I probably Dave Delanave. Oh my god, that was perfect! Did you see Jen's post on this on her wall the other day I, on I, Facebook? I didn't, but we—I think it was when I was talking with her and JVB. We somehow talked about this, like <laughs> at some point, because we were talking about me talking to you on a future show. And I'm like, oh well, you know, I was like joking. Well, I just can't have mom because I'm not going to be able to pronounce that last name or something <laughs> like that. So um, I stood up. Oh, you nailed it. I woke up this morning. I, I stood in front of the mirror for 15 minutes, and every time I took a sip of coffee, I, I said it again, and I made it happen. It's like the opera singer going through their their scales and stuff in the morning. Yeah, and it's I, I mean it's it's funny that uh, there there has been so much effort to make sure that people are, are pronouncing your your last name right, but that's something that people should be able to do. It's been worth the effort, and uh, it was a you know. I'm one for one. I'm hit, I'm batting a thousand, and I'm going to keep it that way because I'm not going to say your last name again. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So uh, we have like a lot to talk about, and we were kind of talking a little bit off the air. It's, it, it's been funny of of how terrible I am sometimes, and people like former guests who have been on the show know that. Like sometimes be like, oh hey, let's do an episode like this week. Then I'm like, oh well, actually I have to go travel to, I don't know, like Chicago or something like that, and then cards get reshuffled and I'm terribly getting back to people. So we finally, after like two years of talking, and I think we, we originally talked about this all the way back in, like we were talking when we, we met in 2012 or something like that. So it's only taken, yeah. taken four years, um, which, you know, I've, I've had, I've had worse runs than that, but uh, finally got you on. Hey, it's not bad. Every four years we elect a president. So we're basically on that same schedule. I think that's, that's really fair. Yeah. Let's, um, and this is, I mean, this is the fit gas, and this is uh, coming off of the launch. And by the time that this is out, and this is how far in advance I'm kind of recording this stuff, like people know that right now there's this new network of podcasts that I've launched, this new business, this 
limited liability corporation that I now have. <laughs> I'm running where I have a podcast network with tons of different podcasts on it. And this is still like, this is still the anchor. This is the 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 one that is leading the charge uh, every single week on Monday. And we're, we're going to still continue to, to talk a lot about fitness today. But since you brought up the election, this is something that I talked to John Romanello about a couple weeks ago is, uh, and this is for more of the fitness professionals out there and, and not so much the people that are just like wanting to hear uh, about training specifically. So just bear with me for a second. But um, like on, on social media, we, we started talking about like what what is okay for for you as a fitness professional, as a as a business owner, in terms of being vocal about about politics uh, on the internet? Because I, I I've done this, and like people will follow me on Twitter, and like if you are really on Twitter, you'll see this sometimes. Where I'm gonna post something like, "Oh my god, this is so dumb! I can't believe how hateful people are." Like if you're part of this hateful group. Don't even bother, like, not like that specifically, yeah. but like, it just blows my mind that, you know, you could support someone that would be so uh, anti this group that I have friends in, that I have people that have been on the show that are in. Like, how could you possibly support something like that? Um, and I guess my question to, to start this out is, uh, I mean, for you, like, how, how do you make that decision as a, a again, a business owner, a, a someone that is a front facing person for, for a brand? How do you make that decision on what what's OK to to post on, on Twitter or on Facebook or or whatever when it comes to this heated political climate? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, look, I fundamentally, I try not to post political stuff because not because I don't want to take a stand or I don't want to polarize or alienate. Like I'm, I'm, I don't want to ever alienate people, but I'm totally fine with being polarizing and just like letting people kind of self-select. But Mm -hmm. the fact is the, the the political stuff is just boring. Like, can we not, can we just please not? Cause no one cares Mm -hmm. anymore. And you know, it's just very divisive. Um, but where I will sometimes take a stand and I'll like even use the business platform for it is mm-hmm. when I think that it's a really important like civil rights issue. So yeah. specifically uh, a couple years ago, Minnesota had a law, basically like a gay marriage law up yep. for um, voting. And I used the gym's email list to send out an email to everyone that was on it. Mm-hmm. And not just members, like, you know, people that had just sort of signed up because they were interested Mm -hmm. to say, like, look, I don't see how you can be a person who's interested in, like, making themselves and the world better without supporting this. Like, you you just have to. And, of course, some people thought that was really crazy because there are people reading that list who would immediately not want to do business with me. But I don't care. (laughs) You know, I don't I don't need that. Um so I will use it sometimes, but for the most part, like, I just don't think it's my place to, mm-hmm. to bore people to death. If they want political stuff, they can follow Nate Silver or, yeah, right. you know, right. Like the, 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 the farthest that I guess I go these days is like, um, and actually really good. And this is someone recommending another podcast and it's, um, you know, again, it's whatever you believe, or, or I mean, by the time this comes out, it's going to be getting even more ramped up because we're going to be getting closer, but you know, whatever you believe, just make sure that you're, you're going out and voting and that you're not suppressing anyone's, you know, opinions and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, like I would just hope that everyone that's listening to this is just really inclusive and that they're trying to be, uh, I guess, be inclusive and, and don't be a hateful person. Like God, like, 
people that would spew hate. Those are the last people that would want listening to this show. People who think that certain groups should have limited rights. Like that's the thing that gets me to like tap something out on my keyboard, then right click and hit delete, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So luckily I've, you know, I've not had any, any issues with that, but, um, yeah, crazy times right now, but, uh, we can all agree on fitness being dope and, you know, getting stronger, getting leaner, doing things that are going to make you healthier, help you reach your goals. That's going to be something that we can all agree on. So, let, let's, oh, yeah. let's let's talk a little bit about biofeedback because I mean this is this is one of the the, the big things that that you do and yeah I want I want to come at you as honestly someone I I have no idea I have no idea about that biofeedback I want you to talk to me about how you utilize it or I guess yeah how do you utilize it the information that you're getting and then how you implement that information to make changes in terms of uh, you know programming and things like that. Yeah, sure. So, all right. It's a great, it's a great question. And, um, it, it leads in so many different directions. So we'll kind of start from the top. So, um, basically what biofeedback is, is a way to quantify how the body is responding to a stimulus or a Mm -hmm. stress, or in our case, usually it's a movement, right? Mm -hmm. So, in, in the big picture, we have a bunch of ways that we can um, kind of monitor the body's response to systemic stressors. So, for example, um, heart rate variability, HRV, has gotten mm-hmm. super popular over the past couple of years. Joel Jameson's been a big proponent of it. Um, and it's really good at telling you, like, all right, your past three days of training have been very overloading and very stressful uh, this fourth day that you had planned maybe isn't such a good idea. You should back off a little bit and, um, you know, maybe do something more recovery oriented and then start back on your plan the next day when your HRV shows you that it's really good for that big picture thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there are some other things that are useful in sort of in the same regard. Um, you guys probably use Tendo units at, at MB, right? No. You don't use, really? You don't use Tendos? Well, I guess I'm not surprised. Like, uh, Ninten- Mike's kinda... like Nintendos? No, no, Tendo um, for <laughs> monitoring velocity. Uh, we The only things that we really have in our gym in terms of technology is that we have a, a system that tracks heart rate that we have on big TVs. Okay. Um, yep. And I can't remember the exact name of it. It's not the one that Joel uses. Um, it's something that's a little bit different, but people can buy heart rate monitors. I- um, yep, I know what you're talking about. And we also okay, so yeah, uh, go ahead. I know I was just going to say and the only other thing that we really use is we use uh, things to track um, you know ten yard start speeds. Okay, okay, all right. So um, Mike Tashir is is a big user of velocity, um, and also Cal Dietz, the the director of strength and conditioning at the University of Minnesota, is mm-hmm. a is a big um, Tendo guy. And basically what a Tendo allows you to do is measure the velocity of your movement. So let's mm-hmm. say you measure the velocity of your squats. Um, one of the ways that you can use it is to look at how much your velocity is dropping off. Like basically how much worse your squats are getting from your initial ones that are sort of all hitting like this, this, uh, this benchmark. And because of their research and, you know, tracking all their athletes for years, they know that certain percentages of drop-off correspond to more recovery. So you hit like the sort of the first level of drop-off, it's uh, one day. 
on the second level of drop off, you've got you're going to need two days of recovery Mm -hmm. and so on. So that stuff is really good at measuring that type of thing. What we don't have thus far is a way to tell you that today you should front squat instead of back squat or Jefferson deadlift instead of conventional deadlift. Mm -hmm. And that's where biofeedback comes into play. So um, basically, if you go in the gym and you've got your your plan for the day, you're going to deadlift, it's your pulling day, you're going to maybe do some uh, deadlifting and pulling um, and some core work. But that doesn't necessarily specify what type of deadlift you should do. And Mm -hmm. the traditional model is do an assessment, right? Um, Use the assessment information to make some determination about what movement is going to be the most applicable for you. Mm -hmm. The problem that I have with that and that I run into over and over again is that that assessment is very temporal. Mm -hmm. If you do it on Monday, it may not apply by Wednesday when the client went out and played um ultimate frisbee tuesday night and you know like ran their asses off got some things fatigued maybe took some licks you know hitting the ground whatever um so the biofeedback allows you to go in and say all right i generally know that i'm going to do a deadlift but what deadlift should i specifically do should i do a conventional should i do a sumo where there's like more you know hip involvement with my hips abducted and a little more external rotation or should i go and do a jefferson that's going to involve some core anti rotation a staggered stance and so on so you use biofeedback and we almost always just simply use range of motion you mm-hmm. can use grip strength um you can use a couple other things but range of motion works really well so the the general idea is you check your range of motion you do a movement and then you check your range of motion again. If it improved your range of motion, that stimulus was beneficial to you. I think we can all agree that by and large, hypermobility aside, more range of motion is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, less range of motion, things tightening up and being restricted and not being able to move as well is not a good thing. That's a bad thing. So we stay away from that. Um, and it, it kind of it's a way to use the body as kind of a black box because that's really what it is. You know, there's, there's so many systems out there that purport to understand the mechanisms of the internals of the body, but really we don't have a clue. Like we're just barely, barely scratching the surface of understanding how the body works. But what you can do is you can look at it as a black box and say, okay, if I put this input in over here, we put squats in over here, out here we get increased you know, quad strength, increased posterior chain strength, in, increased back strength. These are the things that happen. And for some people, they know they put conventional deadlifts in the black box and they get back pain out the black box, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like they know that that's how it works. They, no one can probably tell you exactly why it causes the back pain. Mm-hmm. But with biofeedback, I can find you a deadlift variation that gives you greater range of motion and doesn't cause you the back pain. And that's the whole goal of it. So uh, when someone comes in and then, you again, you let's say you have them getting ready to do conventional deadlift today. Um, what, I guess, how are you measuring that, that range of motion restriction? And is there like a certain, is there a certain number that you're like looking for saying like, all right, this tips the scales and this is the other direction that we're going to go in now? Okay, so... Um, Every single person is different. So 
um, their range of motion range, so to speak, is going to be um, very individual. Some people have like a uh, one to two inch difference in range of motion from something that's good and something that's bad. Other people may have like a five or six inch range of motion. So what that looks like in practice, like I'll just kind of talk you guys through it. And if this doesn't make sense um, verbally, just go to my website. I've got a ton of videos on uh, implementing biofeedback testing. But um, client comes into the gym, they walk over to the workout, and the board has the whole workout program for the day on it. Under deadlifts, it's going to have three variations. Let's stick with that same example that I always use, the conventional, the sumo, and the Jefferson. So they come in, they've done a little uh, kind of standard warm-up, just dynamic stuff to, to get moving, and then they check their range of motion. And let's say they, they, they bend forward. We use the forward uh, flexion toe touch for almost everyone because it just works really, really well. It's mm-hmm. repeatable. It's easy for them to visually see where that range is. So they bend forward and they touch at, let's say, mid-shin. Okay, That's their kind of baseline range of motion. And one thing that's important to note, we're not looking for the um, – end range of motion like they're not pushing as far as they can you're just looking for that very first sign of tension or going from passive to active Mm -hmm. so their fingertips hit their mid shin cool so they do a couple of reps of a conventional deadlift don't even need to pick up the bar just mimicking that movement pulling the bar from from the floor height and they step back, check their range of motion again, and let's say now they're at the top of their shoe. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. Conventional is, is pretty good today. So they'll step back, they'll go, and they'll do a couple of reps of a sumo deadlift. And let's say that sumo is, um, they, they check their range of motion again, and let's say it's bad. It actually brings their range of motion back to mid-shin. Okay, mm-hmm. we would definitely not do a sumo deadlift today. Um, and then they, they go back again and they test a Jefferson and maybe they get their palms all the way flat on the floor mm-hmm. now, um, which is kind of that, what I just described is kind of how my range of motion works. Like I start about mid shin and then when something is really, really good, it's like palms flat on the floor. Mm-hmm. And incidentally, I always like to mention this. I cannot physically force myself to get my palms flat on the floor unless I've done a movement that tests well for me. Like I can't even force it. My body just will not allow it. But if I just do something like a Jefferson that always tests well for me, sumo always tests well for me, I can get my palms flat on the floor with no effort at all, just passive range of motion. So they've done those three. They're going to pursue Jefferson today. That's Mm -hmm. what they're going to do. And then they're going to do that same procedure for all of the different movements in the program. And our program looks a lot like um, just any good, solid strength program. We've got some core work. We've got some anti-rotation. We've got some, you know, usually some pushing and some pulling, all that stuff. But they're going to test options for each and every one of those. So every person coming into the gym is getting an individualized workout by what their body responds best to. Okay, so uh, when you're implementing this, is it in a like a small group setting, a one-on-one setting? Uh, like, how quickly can you, how quickly can you analyze this stuff and make a course correction uh, throughout the workout? So we teach people how to do the biofeedback testing on the very first day, like mm-hmm. when they go through their introductory session where we kind of tell them everything about the gym. We teach them how to test. And I would say within 
three workouts, once they've just gotten the hang of it and they've done it a couple times, they're completely autonomously going through the workout and testing everything on their own. Our mm-hmm. role at that point becomes, one, teaching them new movements because obviously uh, they may not know what they are and we've got all kinds of, a lot of times we have crazy variations of stuff on the board. So even if you're an experienced uh, trainee or fitness person, like you may not know what a B-boy is. <laughs> so we'll show you what that is. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then helping them with the movements, coaching them through the movements once they get to actually doing them. But it's... It's totally autonomous. It's super, super fast. Uh, we we have class sizes of it's not it's not often, but over ten people sometimes, um, and it's no problem to to do that because it, they they do it themselves. They don't need any input or any feedback from us. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so. Uh, I mean, you, you have for, for your facility at Movement uh, Minneapolis, what, what kind of clientele are you usually bringing in there? Is it, is it like the adult person that just wants to lift some heavy stuff or, or I guess like that, you know, the same, you know, fat loss kind of person, um, athletes? What, what kind of demographics are you bringing in there and can you mix them up? Yeah, we have a, we have a crazy wide um, variety of people. Um, generally, it's like, gen pop you know it's we don't have a ton of athletes we don't have like teams but we do have i mean it's like crazy world cup uh ice climbers Mm -hmm. a ton of rugby players because of jen's connection to the rugby world um some ultra uh like ultra marathoners uh everybody and the cool thing is we just we put them all in the same group and we don't have to separate them out Mm -hmm. because the programming is getting individualized anyway So we don't have to make that distinction. And that's actually, there's this really cool thing that I just want to like stick in here because we were talking earlier about, um, inclusiveness. Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple days ago, I was talking to one of my clients who, uh, identifies as gender queer. Mm -hmm. So they're not like, I, you know, refer to me as he refer to me as she, uh, there's, there's some fluidity there. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that they really like about our gym is, there's essentially no gender built into the programming. There's no men's and women's workout. Mm-hmm. There's just the workout. And in fact, we don't even call our 20 or our 15 kilo bars the women's bars anymore. We just call it the 15 kilo bar. And it's it's a really it's almost accidental, I have to admit. Like I didn't mm-hmm. create it that way so it would be inclusive, but it's this accidental way to be really really inclusive um and it's really cool. Yeah, I I'd, I'd be worried it, you know, today, if, if people have like facilities and they're calling something like the the women's bar, you just say, "Oh, this is a fifteen pound bar. This is twenty five pound bar. This is forty five pound bar, or something like that, or whatever." You know, if you're using kilos or something like that, I would I would hope we're getting to a point across the board where we don't we're not we're not doing that. But you know, I know, right? Stuff, I guess. Well, um, but but you know what? It's not though because you have to think about if you have a really I, I hate to say this but this is this is how it's going to go if you have a really really weak male client and you want him pressing a barbell overhead but you know that 45 pounds is going to be too much mm-hmm. and you tell him to go grab the women's bar because 33 is going to be more appropriate you just made that guy feel like shit right. right yeah but if if you just say hey go grab the 15 kilo bar over there no problem yeah, I mean, I, I, this is like one of those things where I guess I haven't even had to to, to think of, uh, you know, over over the last last couple of years. And, and same thing with like the programming stuff. I know there's there's definitely 
there's still people out there that are still creating like female specific programming and stuff like that. But I think when it does, and I think that really should only come into play, I guess, when it's maybe there's going to be some uh, specific things you're going to do for female athletes for obvious reasons. And uh, same thing with like physique competitors, I guess, um, because they're going to have yeah. certain things that they're going to be judged on differently than men. Um, and those programs would be, have to be specialized anyways. But um, yeah, if you're a trainer. But it's the yeah. individual, not the gender. Right, right. Um, so yeah. I, I think that's that's a thing that, I mean, I, I remember seeing it not too long ago, people talking about like female specific training at seminars. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, no, yeah. like you, it's, it's no, stop. All right. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> let's, let's continue, uh, jumping around uh, a little bit. We might come back to that, but, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit in terms of personal lives and stuff, because we, we were discussing, uh, before we started recording about, uh, and you put this in, in a great uh, frame of, of context swings where you're having to basically work on two drastically different things uh, in life. Or maybe it's just like in terms of like hobbies, like sometimes I know for me personally, it's really hard for me to like juggle four or five things at once. But I'm really good at focusing on like one or two things at a time. So um, you know, how do you deal with that stuff and what do you run into? Yeah. So what I was saying earlier is like, that's kind of my biggest problem right now. Um, it's not so much that I'm too busy to do everything. It's, it's not that at all. It's that context switching of like, my days are very broken up. You know, I'll get up, I'll do a couple hours of stuff, um, at home and, but then I'll go into the gym and I'll train myself. And then that breaks up my midday. And then I might have like an hour before the evening classes that I teach, Mm -hmm. um, happen so I can shove some stuff in there and then I teach classes and I might have some one-on-one clients and then I have a couple hours before it's like 11 p.m. and I might be able to jam some stuff in there but it's a very like broken up and interrupted time and all of it has this cognitive toll of switching tasks so one of the things that I'm kind of kind of moving towards is is uh consolidating some of those blocks of time a little bit to where you know, maybe I'm not teaching as many classes or, you know, whatever the case may be to be able to have more bigger blocks of time mm-hmm. because I just think it's really, really hard. I, I don't think, I know it's really hard to be creative in bite-sized pieces of time. Um, this guy named Paul Graham, I think he, um, I think he started one of the big, uh, VC, uh, Uh, funds. But anyway, he had this article that I always go back to about the maker versus the manager schedule. Are you familiar with this? No. Yeah. So I always think about this. So Google like maker versus manager. And basically the, the idea is that the manager operates on little discrete time blocks of meetings and appointments and calls. And like they can jam a meeting or a call into 15 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever it may be. But the maker, the person who's like doing some sort of creative work, can't sit down in a 30-minute block of time between clients and start writing. Because it, yeah. it, it, right? like it takes some time to get that going. I mean, the best of us sometimes can. I was mm-hmm. blown away one time when my buddy John Romanello at the Fitness Summit like, like sits down in between – I can't remember. We were like – 
between happy hour and dinner or something like that. He sits down, opens his laptop. He's holding a conversation with someone and he's like writing an article. And I was like, dude, how the how the fuck are you doing that right now? You know, I need, I need 30 minutes just to like get the juices flowing. And I know that's somewhat of an excuse and a crutch. And I would like to reduce that amount of time, but the reality of it is true. Like the maker versus manager schedule is very different. So I'm trying to move as much as I can more towards a maker schedule because that's more of like what, that's what makes me, you know, feel super alive and, and I enjoy doing more. Right. That's exactly why I'm doing all this crazy, stupid podcast network stuff. And I think I think for me, the way that I've looked at it is like trying to just batch things together. Like I can if you've listened and I know there's a couple hundred people that like listen to this show and listen to back in my play, even if they didn't like play old video games, but they just liked the show. And there were spurts where I would do. You know, a bunch of episodes of the Fitcast, and then I wouldn't be doing back in my play, or I'd be doing back in my back in my play, and not doing the Fitcast because it's really hard. Like, even just they're both podcasts, but it's like really getting into fitness, then really getting into games, and then trying to flip that switch uh, that quickly is is super super difficult. But like, I wonder if it's the same thing like people run into when it comes to like life and trying to fit in their fitness stuff because they kind of maybe classify that as like having to have a completely different mindset once they're going to be like going into the gym or going to to train and, and things like that like maybe that's why morning workouts work so well for people when they start implementing them i don't know you know i just wrote a rant about this on facebook the other day because people um consistently they people's time management myself included uh is really bad and what they do is they'll say um and i know that like they is super generalizing but it's kind of kind of where we got to go with this um they'll say like well you know i'll work out when i have some free time or i'll i'll go to the gym when i have a night where i don't have something going on and what happens you never go to the gym right period you never do But if you put it in your schedule as this sort of unimpeachable thing, and I think that's what you alluded to with the 6 a.m.s and why that works so well, like it's just on your schedule. It's 6. You set your alarm for 5 or 5.30 or whatever. You get up, you go to the gym, and you get on with your day, and nothing can get in its way. Whereas if you're hoping that you're going to have time after work that you're going to go and just hoping for the best, Mm -hmm. something is going to come up every single day that's either more important or more enticing or more interesting than going to the gym. And that's what you're going to do. And I think that's why uh, personal training clients, the other, the other part of it, of course, is the money, the skin in the game, but personal Mm -hmm. training clients don't miss their sessions because something, you know, more enticing came up. It's on their calendar. They know they're paying for it. They know someone is standing there waiting for them to get there. So they go. Um, and that's what I try to encourage people to do as much as they possibly can is like, just make it part of your schedule. That's not debatable. Mm -hmm. This, this is the time you go and you go. We have executives like VP level executives from target that show up at you know five o'clock on the dot because that's when they're scheduled to show up. You don't think they have some some stuff that came up almost every day that they could like work late on? No, they they do, but they know that this is super important. Yeah, it's it's the the eat that frog like do that that thing that you don't want to do most and like Craig Ballantyne like everyone that I guess is like written about success and like trying to make sure that you're doing what you need to get done done like do that stuff first thing in the morning, uh, no, no matter what. And, or even just like, 
you have that that attachment of like, oh, well, I'm paying a hundred dollars for this hour. If I don't show up, I'm basically throwing a hundred dollars out, and that yep. doesn't make sense. I'm going to go, and that like my very first my very first client, John, and that's actually I take that back. Uh, Anna Cressy was my very first client, but I wasn't paid. It was just like a <laughs> thing that I was training when I was at at uh, Eric's. But the first client that I actually got paid to train, and that he was with me for. He was with me for eight years before I gave him to Ken Whittier, who's at Mike Bull Strength and Conditioning now. Um, he trains three days a week, and he spends whatever. It's like uh, $80, $240 a week to train at our gym. And he does it specifically because if he didn't have a personal training session, he would not train. Like he had a, uh, a gym membership at another gym yeah. before he came when Boston Sports Club opened up in Woburn and he came in the first day that we were open, got like a trial and then he was with me the whole time I was there. He came with me to Mike Bolster and the conditioning and like he just never walked into that gym, even though he was paying $100 a month for a membership, never walked in unless it was for personal training. So uh, there's tons of people out there and even if it's like $40, there has to be a high barrier to entry. And in that that piece, you're kind of also hitting on like and I remember Ben Ben Bruno was commenting on it too. Is like, you know, not don't be afraid to, you know, put value on what you do as as a coach or a trainer as a professional. Like, don't make package deals and stuff like that to to try to get someone in for personal training. What are Dude, your thoughts on all yeah. that stuff? Oh man, absolutely. Like, there's I don't remember who told me, but somebody early on kind of told me like the person. The people or the person that asks for the most discounts uh, will expect the most from you and sort of give the least. And I, I hate to say it, but like I've I've found it to be unfortunately so true. Like you want to help people out, and you know they oh I can't afford it, but I really want you know, and you just think you're doing this good thing, and you end up doing everyone a disservice, everyone involved because they don't have as much skin in the game. And you didn't you didn't get compensated adequately, and they don't appreciate like it's just nine times out of ten they don't appreciate it. And mm-hmm. you know if like there's that one listener listening, and they're like, dude, you gave me a discount because I was hard up, and I've been you know super loyal to you. And yeah, it does happen, but it's so unbelievably rare. Mm-hmm. Like by and large, it's best to just stick to your guns, stick to what you're worth, and and just kind of. Sometimes you have to say no, you know, you just got to be like, like you don't walk into a Ferrari dealership and go, man, I would just love to have this car, (laughs) but I can only pay about half, you know, like, can I, can, can you get that hooked up? And like, they're just like, no, sorry, like go earn more because that's not how it works. Unfortunately, that's true. And I hate, I hate the fact that, um, our gym and our training and our coaching and what we do for people. Cause we do a lot for people beyond just, you know, helping them get their squat form. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that it, there's a barrier to that and that we can't like help every single person who's even remotely interested. But unfortunately, until we, as an industry probably start working on, um, the legislation and like getting health insurance companies and stuff involved and getting them to care about smaller facilities that do a really good job. It's just going to have to have that, that barrier to entry a little bit. Hey, past Kevin and Dave, can I stop you guys for just one second? And I I know this is like a real bill and Ted moment, but I just need to talk to the audience. So 
I mentioned at the start of the show, one of the best ways that you can support the show is through things like Patreon or making a one-time or a monthly contribution through PayPal. But if you can't do that, you can also just buy stuff through Amazon. If you go to fitcast.network, click on the Amazon button on the upper right-hand corner, that will send you back to the front page of Amazon, and then just do like go do your shopping. And after you do that, Mr. Amazon is going to say, hey, Kev, like that was really nice of you. Thank you so much for telling people about our website and sending them over here. I'm going to give you 2 to 3% cut of the purchase price of what, whatever they bought. So that way, the network gets a little bit of a boost. It helps me support all the new production of the new shows, hear this beautiful audio equipment, and you still get the same great prices, same great shipping, same great customer service. Nothing changes for you. Just Mr. Amazon, he gets a little bit less and he kicks it back to Kevin. And I'm going to give you a real quick tip. This is super important. And people tell you this all the time, but you may not have acted on it. Please back your stuff up. Like do it. Go to Amazon and pick up like a one or two terabyte terabyte hard drive and start backing up your music, your, your movies, your pictures, your important documents and do it on a regular basis. Like that is so important. You never want to lose any of that information. I'm a crazy person that does it and backs up to two separate hard drives and also like backs up to the internet. Like I'm, I'm crazy, but make sure you're at least doing one thing because you never want to be in that situation where your computer goes to the pooper and then you lose all that great information. So go to Network, click on that Amazon tab and maybe get yourself an external hard drive or maybe, maybe you just get Fast and Furious 1 through 6 and if you need to, if you got to cut back a little bit, just skip too fast, too furious. It's okay. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, programming and, and like strength plateaus because this is something I've been thinking about a lot ever since I talked with Max Shank uh, a couple weeks ago. Like I worked myself up to uh, forty eight kg get up, and I even like went out and I bought a fifty two. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not bad, but it's. That's good, man. Yeah, well, that's this is this is kind of where I'm leading with this. It's like all right, and then I I called up my my good friends at perform better and said hey like let's get a 52 let's i know you guys are coming up to our facility next week save me some money on shipping let's just yeah. do it and um then i got this 52 and i haven't even attempted it because it was like the the what i would need to do to get a 52 kg get up like the specificity that i would almost need in my program were up into that point it was just like oh well you know Two or three days a week, I just do a couple get-ups and I just got better at them. All right, and mm-hmm. um, is it is it really going to be worth like that net like that necessary specificity to get to fifty-two from forty-eight? And the way that I want to reason why I bring that context in there is like, you know, do you have a a certain like number in your mind for the general population people that you're working with in terms of strength? levels like how much they can how many chin-ups they can do you know what they can do in terms of deadlifting what they can do for um you know in terms of like push-ups or whatever where you can kind of say oh well you know this is kind of enough like they've even though they've hit a plateau they've been at the same point for the last six months and they're just they're not getting stronger but actually like right now they're kind of strong enough do you do you have any thoughts on i guess um, again, I was talking with Georgia last night. I'm the king of asking 48 questions in one long sentence. But um, <laughs> like in, in terms of like working with those people, do you, do you ever have people that are saying like, well, I'm not getting stronger, but dude, you're already super strong or 
like what what do I do, need to do to get to the next level? Do you so I guess two things. What do you tell those people? So, yes. And then Just also, yeah, yep. like what do you what do you have in terms of like this is where we need to get to in terms of strength levels. Once we're here, let's just like continue to stay consistent and make sure we don't get hurt. Okay. So let's let's break that out. So the first one, <laughs> you know, what what is strong enough? And I early on in the gym, I I'm I'm pretty big on systemizing. I've got like uh, software that I built for the gym specifically where we track all of our training and mm-hmm. all of that's really cool. And I tried to like almost create like levels, like discrete sort of rankings of strength, not rankings really. That's not the right word for it, but like almost like levels. And I very quickly realized that this, that, that whole idea, like the strong enough is kind of like porn. Mm-hmm. You know it when you see it yeah, yeah. and it's super, super individual. Like I just, can't even begin to create a, a like levels that I think are okay. Nope, you're there. You're enough because it's super individual. Like one person's, you know, ten pull ups. Uh, ten pull ups for um, anyone is a is it is an amazing standard, right? But if I have some guy who comes in and he can do ten pull ups already and he's never trained in his entire life, is that a good standard for him? Mm. Am I going to go like? Hey dude, you're good. Like you don't even need to worry about it. No, hell no. Like <laughs> I had a I had a kid start um kid, I say, I mean he's he's like a, a grad student, but he started with me and we convinced him to do a powerlifting meet and he went something like four four seventy-five, uh I think it was like four seventy-five, two seventy-five, five seventy-five, something like that, on his first meet never having lifted before. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so angry at his genetics, <laughs> but he's never trained. So he's not strong enough. He can, he can probably put on, you know, another 20% of that with a year of simple training. So, mm-hmm. all right, my point is it's, it's porn. You know it when you see it. Yeah. Um, and you also know it when the amount of, like you alluded to, when the amount of effort that it requires to nudge it becomes disproportionate to the output. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is not a strength athlete, like they're not looking to compete in powerlifting and they've been working for like six to nine months trying different strategies and nothing is budging their deadlift, but it's already double body weight, what, what are you doing? Like what, the question to ask is why, why would I want to try to raise this anymore? If they're a powerlifter, okay, that's a totally different thing. Now right. we got to really figure out how to make that happen. So the second part of it would be like breaking through the plateaus. So Again, that's highly individual, mm-hmm. and it usually involves um, asking better questions. And by that, I mean experimenting and saying and, and doing like an old school scientific experiment. What happens when I change this variable? And the yeah. variables that are that are most commonly um, helpful in that the first one is volume. A lot of times, you just got to do more volume. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how much volume they can actually handle. You know, they're doing like three sets of five, and it turns out they could be doing two to three times more mm-hmm. than that. No problem, and easily recovering from it. Um, which leads me to my next point: uh, the movements themselves, uh, specifically related to testing. Like, if you are stuck with something, I would bet my lunch money that if you started testing some variations of that movement, you would find that biofeedback shows you that some other variations actually test better right now. So if you've been just hammering your conventional deadlift, but it's been stuck and you can't get it to go up, 
and you start testing, you're going to find that Sumo or Jefferson actually test better for a while. You build some strength in that. You circle back to conventional. Boom, it's stronger. Um, People get a little too hung up on variations for the sake of variation. Like they want to try all these different things. Like you need to know why you're doing it. Um, specifically. And one of the best reasons to be doing it is because your body responds better to it mm-hmm. with biofeedback. Um, the other, and the last one is um, the intensity. And the reason I brought that one up was because you specifically kind of jogged my memory with it, um, with the, the Turkish get-up. I have a hunch that get-ups are a lot like bent presses in this regard. And I found that for me, and maybe this isn't for everybody, but for me, I was able to put an enormous amount of weight on my bent press, not bench press. My bench is weak, my B-E-N-T press, uh, by training it sometimes as rarely as once every other week, but training it extremely heavy. I would basically work up to my one RM mm-hmm. um, per side, and then that was it. That's all I do. I wouldn't touch it for another week or two. Um, so playing with intensity rather than volume um, – for, for certain movements and certain individuals can be way, way better than adding tons and tons of reps. Uh, this is, it's funny that you brought up like the changing volume and stuff like that and increasing volume because I've done this like super, there's no rationale behind it. It was just like, because I, I train at home now for the last like five months, all I do is, is train at my house. So I kind of, um, I kind of have been trying to just kind of mix things up a little bit because it's, it, it's boring. Like, you know, I'm, I'm getting stronger, but it's boring. And, um, what I've been messing around with is just going six days a week and basically doubling or tripling the amount of volume that I would normally do for a certain movement, uh, yeah. on each day. But instead of like doing three heavy days a week, basically doing six heavy days a week and then trying to, uh, more or less kind of take those three days and split them in half and then do six kind of heavy days. But obviously I'm not doing the same stuff all, all six of those days. And, uh, so far so good. It's, uh, yeah. it's just like, it's like if you can train six days a week, you can do that. But most people, obviously we're going to be talking about training like, you know, three days, two, three days a week, something like that. Um, so it, it works out just no, I've, play around. Absolutely. And sometimes you surprise yourself with how much you can handle. Um, that's another one of the things that people report back once they start biofeedback testing. They're like, wow, like, you know, I was able to handle way, way more volume than I was doing before. Mm-hmm. And as a result, I'm seeing, you know, greater muscle hypertrophy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm getting leaner. I'm getting stronger. Like all of these good things are happening. Well, no shit. You doubled your training volume, you know, and you're recovering from it. That's nothing better. Yeah. I mean, like the things that I looked at is I wanted to maximize 45 minutes for my training at at my house because I, I get in a bad habit of kind of like starting my training and walking around my house and doing stuff. And then I like my one hour training turns into two hours because I'm like vacuuming and I'm doing all this other crap because I'm not in a gym. Like I have all this other stuff. Like I have emails popping up in front of me and yeah, yeah, I could shut off my computer, but sometimes you get an email and you get to deal with it. So, um, I've been dude, that, shut your email off. I know, I know, I know. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it's like I said, it's like I'm still strong, like I'm okay, like I'm doing all right. It's, 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 it's more of a case of trying to do too many things, especially with everything that's been going on with the network stuff. So, the I understand 100%. I joined another gym for a while just so I could get out of my own environment. Like, that's I'm, why I started I, training but, at home. Yeah, too many I, distractions. I understand. 
Um, even though like I, the only thing that I, like last week I went into, to boils and I walked into the gym, like right before my, I coached my group and just pushed sleds a bunch. And then, uh, I'm like, Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I haven't pushed sleds in three months. My quads feel like they're going to explode. Um, that sounds about (laughs) right. Um, so yeah, I mean like that's, that'll be interesting to see. I'm, I'm curious because I'm also going to be doing like a, a video series on, on home training and like literally coming in this morning and just like all I did was I did inverted rows and I did uh, uh, reverse lunges. That's all I did for like 45 minutes and did a bunch of sets. Tomorrow I'm going to be doing some uh, overhead pressing and I'm going to be doing some kettlebell swings. That's all I'm going to do tomorrow. And it's just I like shorter, frequent workouts and, you know, works for me. Anyways, so um, I'm. I'm glad you brought up the home thing because that kind of came up with this this rant last week. Some people kind of took umbrage with the fact that I implied that you were sort of like making excuses if you didn't join a gym. And that that wasn't my point at all. My my bigger point is exactly what you're alluding to. Like the best environment for you right now to get your workout done is actually home. It's not the gym because all of your your distractions exist at the gym. But for a lot of people, their home workouts are abysmal because they have all those distractions at home. And if they would just, you know, pull the trigger on getting to a good gym with a great environment, they would experience like what that community and that environment has to offer them. And of course I get it. Sometimes the home gym works better for people and kudos to them. I'm just saying there are a lot of people out there lying to themselves, telling them themselves this story that just demonstrably isn't true and they could change it if they would examine it. No, for, for sure. And, and it's, and it's like always about the, the contrast for, for the, for what, whatever you're dealing with, like at, at, at MBSE, it was a case of having to train in the afternoon because I have a dog. So I could, I would have to like basically fit in my training right next to the coach, the group that I'm going to coach so I can make sure I'm not gone for eight hours from my house. And, um, I also found, I love training first thing in the morning because I like training and then I like taking a shower. Once I'm done with that, it's like, that's totally behind me. It's not a distraction anymore and I can go right to work and I'm so much more efficient that way. Um, while, while doing all that stuff. So, Again. And I would hate my life if I trained first thing in the morning because I don't, <laughs> I don't like to get up early and I don't like to train early in the morning. So you see, we have different individuals here for, for sure. And um, and sometimes like I can't, I don't have the control of the the music at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning. If you watch our staff meeting, is it a is a constant thing because we have such a wide demographic of people and we're trying to satisfy every single demographic and. I'm sorry. I can't listen to music from the 70s like in oldies and the Beatles when I'm training. It needs to be the roughest, most hardcore, terrible music that I would never listen to outside of lifting. That's it. Can you can I just tell you that as a gym owner, the absolute biggest headache I have to deal with the bane of my existence is gym music. No one is ever happy. <laughs> no, no. And that's why we talk about it all the time because we like we like the staff will change the music and then, you know, Mike will walk in and then there'll be like all these new stations on the Pandora where uh people shouldn't like we shouldn't have that on at this time of the day. We try to keep today's hits on when the kids are there and then we have like the oldie stuff when the adults are there. So it's it's just a constant Dude. battle and thank God for 
<laughs> Go ahead. I'm just I'm just gonna switch to like a white noise, like uh, bird, like you said, like birds in Boston in the spring soundtrack or something like that, and just be like, you know what? We're done with music. This is what you get now: waterfalls and birds singing. Yeah, that'd be very pleasant and. And I don't know. know. (laughs) Terrible for your workout. (laughs) Yeah. Again, like it's great. I get to have my headphones on at my house or if the people above me leave in time, I I throw some music on my speakers and it's badass. So, um, okay. So we're, uh, we're doing a couple more things I want to talk about real quick. Um, well, I guess let's, we're, we're getting close to an hour. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, before, before we do run out of time is like, you know, what, what do you have coming up that people should keep an eye out for? And, um, maybe even before that, I mean, you're doing so much stuff right now, I guess what, what's fascinating you the most, what are you keeping your eye on closest in this, this world of fitness? Yeah. So, well, one of the things, and who knows by the time this, this, um, uh, this podcast airs, things could be very different, but one of the realities of my life right now is that our house is on the market. Um, right. and you know, we're potentially moving. So I'm having a really hard time starting anything major. Um, so I don't have any like cool things that I can announce that are on the horizon. However, my overarching goal and the biggest thing that I've been doing over the past year or two is just trying to teach biofeedback Mm -hmm. in as many environments in as many places and to as many people as I possibly can. Um, I think that we're going to be, um, at strength matters in the, in June in New York city, um, Mm -hmm. teaching biofeedback. I'm going to be at paleo FX, uh, doing a presentation on biofeedback. Uh, I think I'll be possibly at strength matters in the fall as well. Um, so that's like, I'm basically trying to do as much of that as I can, uh, both online and, um, and in, uh, fitness conferences and stuff like that, because I think it's, I, I think it's one of the biggest things that you can change in your training. That's super, super easy to change. And the payoff is just tremendous. And that actually just reminded me of something that I wanted to bring up when we were talking about it earlier, but I forgot. Um, and it came back to me. So sometimes people are like, well, I, you know, I don't know about this biofeedback stuff because I think you're just getting warmed up and it doesn't actually mean anything. And to, to that I respond, okay, well, I've been doing this for over six years now and I've seen more, like thousands of examples of, I think I have over a hundred thousand client sessions, um, logged that I have like tracking from. I've seen a lot of patterns that mm-hmm. are well beyond coincidence, but I'll say this, let's say it's all it, none, none of it actually applies, but the only benefit that it has is that it lets the client feel like they have control over their training. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about self-determination theory, you know how powerful that is. So if the only benefit that it provides is that the client feels more invested in their training because they're the one making the choices and their body's choosing and you're not imposing it on them, then the entire thing is worth it and it's beneficial because that's a huge component of what we do. Um, and I know it's kind of tangential to what we were just talking about, but it goes back to um, this, like, this is why I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in this basket and trying to like focus all my attention to teaching it and writing a book about it because I think it's the biggest thing that, that trainers can implement to mm-hmm. benefit their, their training and their clients. Well, this is, I mean, there's a lot of places where people can, can go check this stuff out and, um, the movement matters series. They're badass. Those are hell of lineups. Like those lineups are great. The strength matters. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, no, they're killing it. Uh, I was, was just talking to, to James Breeze on the phone the other day, and like they're just doing such a good job of bringing uh, so many different schools of thought and not that rigid ideology and dogma of like this is the only way that you should do things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's such a fr- breath of fresh air because we have we have a little just a little too much of that <laughs> in the space. Yeah, hmm. well, so I'm excited to be part of that. Very cool. Uh, well, you can go check out uh, Dave's website at Dave uh, Delanave. Oh, actually, hold on. Check uh, it out. It's just, just Delanave.com. Yep. Just Delanave. Yep. yep. Got it. Uh, and at DDN on Twitter. And then also uh, on Instagram at DDN. Is that 3D. Right? 3D. Okay. Yep, DDN, I, that's 3D. what I thought. Yeah, I saw I, it. I, I'm super easy to find. I'm basically like wide open public on every network. So I'm very easy to find. People can just reach out, ask questions. I'll point you to the videos and the, the guides and the PDFs and the who's it's and watch sets. Awesome. Well, since this is uh, before the website is helping all that stuff, so I'm kind of talking to you from the past. This is uh, where I'm going to kind of generally say I would love if you go check out fitcast.network, not.com, fitcast.network. There you can Go and check out the huge lineup of shows that are just covering everything from fitness and nutrition and then things in that realm like this show to uh, personal development and also motivation to, uh, you know, talking movies with Tony General Corps or also uh, just the book club that uh, the first episode by the time that you hear this is probably out with Jill Coleman and I talking about uh, the charisma myths. A lot of great stuff. Uh, coming up. And I think Nick Winkleman is going to be on the next one after that talking about um, smarter, better, smarter, faster, better. I I can't remember the name of the book. Well, whatever it is, it's fantastic because Nick Winkleman is badass. He's one of the best presenters that I see when, when I know. I just want to like, when, when I train uh, my kids, I just want to like pull out an iPad and just show a video of him doing all the speed demos because me trying to replicate anything that's close to him is just, is disrespectful to the, to the the craft. Um, Just do this. Yeah. Just do this. Yeah. Just do this. Um, But yeah, he's, he's fantastic. So hopefully you're checking that stuff out and you're trying out some of the new shows and seeing, uh, you know, if those are going to be beneficial for you it are just you know entertaining so what i'm really trying to do with this thing is try to make a great network of shows that are you know just like this it's bringing together people and great information and making it accessible super easy through your your phone or through your computer or however you listen to podcasts and uh hopefully if i do mention anything of how you can support the show you're helping uh, helping out that way as well. So I can, I mean, like I said, this is a business now. This is not a hobby anymore. 10 years of doing podcasts. I'm trying to to make this a, a real thing. So I appreciate everyone that has been supporting the show and the people that are now stepping up and, and helping and supporting what I am doing right now uh, with the FitCast Network. So thank you so much. And uh, David, thank you so much for, for taking the time to come on, man. And thank you for being patient with me. And we're finally making this happen. Absolutely. I'm so glad we finally got to do it. I, I love I love the show. By the way, I thought you called it the thick ass at the beginning of the show. And I was like, all right, the thick ass. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and- demographics, you got to hit on all the you got to hit a wide demographics with this stuff today. And sometimes, you know, that's that's a big trend is getting the booty. So, yeah, exactly. And I also want to mention 
I can't tell you how many times people have come into the gym and they were like, yeah, I heard about your gym on the FitCast. Perfect. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, and it's really cool. So yeah, I love the show, man. Well, you know, that's, that's great. It's all reciprocal because we get to share great information and that means people are also going and they're getting great training and coaching from you guys. So I'm happy that it's happening and, uh, you know, it won't be, won't be 10 years until we talk again. Hopefully I'm, I don't know if you guys are going to be hitting up to see with me, the, the, sum, the seminars that I basically get locked into are the Perform Better Summits because we got four this summer. So I hope uh, with all like the, the selling house craziness and the things that you guys got going on, uh, hopefully you guys can hit up one of those so I can say hi. Hell yeah, dude. I would love that. It's right. been too long. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Don't forget to check out FitCast.network. Check out everything that we mentioned. And uh, until next time, Hope you have a great week and check out some of those other shows. Take care.